growing in God's Word, and learning how to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Your prayers, my prayers, are not an exercise in futility. They're not just something that aboard God in heaven. Well, I'll just have them talk, pray something to me. No, our prayers matter. They have significance in the kingdom of God. They have significance for our lives and in the lives of other people. Prayer is an important part of our lives. It's something we should all do. But when we pray, what should we be praying for? God's will or ours? If we know that He hears us in what we ask, then that prayer is going to be answered. You can mark it down, count on it, take it to the bank. It's a done deal. If what you're asking is according to God's will, God willingly receives our prayers when we willingly receive God's will for our lives. Hello and welcome to Crosswalk. We're picking up where we left off last week, taking an in-depth look at 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. Last week, Pastor Clay focused our attention on the priority of praying according to God's will. This week, we're going to dive into what's required to know God's will. There is an aspect of God's will that has already been revealed in God's already permanently revealed will. It's called the Word of God, the Bible. As we saw last week, and we'll see again this week, praying according to God's will is the key to our powerful prayer life. God wants us to come to Him in prayer, and when we seek His will and pray according to His will, we can be confident that God will answer those prayers. Now here's Pastor Clay with today's message. Open your Bibles to 1 John chapter 5. We have been in 1 John for a while now. We are in the MI series, MI question mark series because, and if you've been, in, if you've been with us in this series, I thank you ought to know by now that the, the first letter of John, not the Gospel of John, but 1 John is driving home this message over and over and over again. And that basically is, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you are a part, a truly a part of the family of God, it will show up in your life. And he says that over and over again, and he has those characteristics. We've talked about surrender or obedience, um, love for the brothers and sisters in Christ, those ideas that keep percolating, coming up again and again in the letter. And in 1 John chapter 5, last week we had the kids in here with us for the service, and so we, uh, we kept it a little shorter than normal, but we began to dive into just those two verses because he, in a sense, kind of uh, changes gears. He's coming to the c- conclusion of this letter. And so in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, the text is up on the screen as well, uh, if you don't happen to have a, a copy of God's Word with you. But if most of us have phones nowadays... Uh, most of us have smartphones today. Some people don't, not everybody has a smartphone, but most of you have access to uh, the, the Word of God in some shape, form, or fashion. First John chapter 4, chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. This is the confidence which we have before Him. Here's what we can be confident about, John says. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. Uh, Last week I shared with you what I call uh, this phrase that I sometimes use called a BP squared, a big picture biblical principle. What What is the BP squared, what is the big picture biblical principle 
the overarching idea of 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. And the BP squared that I shared last week that I bring back up again this week is that God willingly receives our prayers when we willingly receive God's will. That was the BP squared last week. If you were here last week, that should sound familiar to you. God willingly receives our prayers when we willingly receive God's will. And last week, it was a little bit uh, more of abbreviated service and we... Uh, didn't get to the application. That's what we're doing today. But we're, we're able to explore that text a little bit, breaking down verse 14 and what John is saying. And so, by the way, you can go back. You can, you can watch uh, these messages on YouTube. You can uh, subscribe to our podcast. There's a lot of different ways that you can uh, catch them. But we looked at verse 14 where, where John says, if we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. And we talked about what that means, the, to hear or to receive what it is that we are saying. We know that he hears us. And then this, this mind-blowing thing in verse 15 where he says, so, and if we know that he hears us in what we ask, then we know that in anything that we ask, we, we receive. We're, we're get, that, that prayer is going to be answered. You can mark it down, count on it, take it to the bank. It's a done deal. If what you're asking is according to God's will. Hence, therefore, we'd say God willingly receives our prayers when we willingly receive God's will for our lives. One of the questions, I'm not going to do it again this week. You've got to go back and watch the, the message or podcast or whatever. But one of the questions that we dealt with was the question that would come up when you read a passage of Scripture like that, which would be, well, if it's God's will, isn't it going to be done anyway? This whole idea of praying in God's will, if it's God's will, isn't it going to be done anyway? We explored that idea in last week's message and what that means and perhaps what it doesn't mean and what you might expect and what some of you say, wow, I didn't, never thought about it whether actually it was God's will is always done or not. So uh, go back and watch that and, or listen to that. I'd encourage you to do that. But that was the idea we explored. We came away with this idea, was the, the final idea we came away with. The point is your prayers matter. That your prayers, my prayers as a follower of Jesus Christ are not an exercise in futility. They're not a waste of time. They're not just something that a bored God in heaven. Maybe I'll just have them talk, pray something to me. So it gives gives them something to do. No, that, that our prayers matter. They have significance in the kingdom of God. They have significance for our lives and in the lives of other people. So that's where we were last week. And now today I want to kind of launch off and give you some application for this. Okay, we know what verse 14 is saying. We understand that, um, uh, that, that, that verse 14 is saying that when we pray something that's in his will, will, we can absolutely know without a shadow of doubt that he hears those prayers. So it would stand to reason then that uh, it would be kind of important to know his will. Would you agree? If he says, if we pray anything in his will, so that, that kind of makes it important for us to know what God's will is. Here's where we need to start this morning. We need to willingly seek to know his will. To willingly seek to know his will for our lives and the lives of others and whoever it is or whatever it is that we are praying for. To willingly seek to know his will. As I said, Obviously, knowing his will, if John is saying that knowing his will is the key to seeing prayers answered, and that is clearly what John is saying here, then it becomes a priority for us 
to know his will. And if we're going to know his will, we have to, you have to willingly, I want, God, I want to know your will. I'm going to willingly seek your will. Now, there, there are a few aspects about seeking God's will that I want to share with you this morning for you to consider. First one is this. There is what I would call God's permanently revealed will. There is God's already permanently revealed will. And it's called the Bible. It's called the Word of God. Uh, There is an aspect of God's will that has already been revealed. And let me say this to you right now in this idea of seeking out God's will in my prayer life. The vast majority, what did I say? The vast, I just want to see if y'all are with me. The vast majority of decisions that you will have to make in your life are addressed in God's already permanently revealed will. The vast majority of decisions you will make, you can find contained within the word of God. God, it's willingly seeking to know his will and that begins with this permanently revealed will because God's word is is permanently established and it is always true. It is permanently established and it is always true. Again with the Bible. Again with the Bible, PC. You're always talking about the Bible. Got to know the Bible. Got to read the Bible. Got to memorize and meditate on the Bible. When when are you going to get off the Bible? When they pry it from my cold, dead fingers. Because this is the source of your truth. This is the source of your power. This is the source of... For the vast majority of decisions that you will ever make in your life can be found in the Word of God. A few years ago, there was a young lady that began to attend Cross Culture Church who uh, was uh, involved in a a homosexual lifestyle. She had a, a, a woman partner that she had been with for 12 years, 12 years I believe it was. She began to attend uh, Cross Culture Church. Uh, I believe the first Sunday that she came, her partner came with her, but she didn't, I, I don't believe she came back anymore after the first Sunday. But this, this young lady kept coming, and she kept coming, and she kept coming. And I would say she would probably hear something like, Cindy may remember, it, but it's something like maybe six months that she faithfully attended uh, Cross Culture Church. And one Sunday during the response time, the altar call, the end of the cert, whatever you want to call it, uh, she got up or she came forward and just tears streaming down her eyes. And and she came to me and she said, I I, I can't do this anymore. I I can't do this anymore. I can't do this life that I'm doing anymore. I can't live my life the way I'm living it anymore. And she said, I've been living in a lifestyle with with another woman that I know is, is not right. And I've got to go, I've got to leave here right now. After church, I've got to go to Walmart where her partner worked. She said, I've got, to, I've got to tell her that I'm moving out tonight. I can't do this anymore. What was interesting about, I mean, praise God. It was just how, the, how you know, I'm grateful anytime God works and moves on all of our lives. But what's interesting about it is that I went back and I looked at, all, at my preaching calendars over the last six months. I tried to look at some manuscripts. And, and in that entire time that I can remember, I don't believe I ever... I know I didn't preach a single message 
on, you know, homosexuality or anything. I, I, didn't, I didn't preach. I, I don't think I even said the word lesbian or homosexual in the entire six months that she was coming. But what she had discovered, what God had given to her was this hunger for his word. And as she, and as, as she went to this permanently established will for her life and she found that God had laid out a plan for her sexuality and, and how that was to be expressed and, and how she could be in love and, and, and what God's plans were for her life. And God's word had its effect on her life so that she was willing to surrender to that. God's already established will was guiding her into the direction that she should go. Do you understand? It's, it's what God's word will do. Okay. For those of you here, that were here last week, you'll get this. Okay, but I can't turn to a passage and find thou shalt not go on a backpacking excursion through Latin America on your own when you're eight years old. <laughs> to use last week's analogy. No, you, you can't, there, you, there, may, there may be certain events in your life that you can't turn to a certain passage that says thou shalt uh, do this or thou shalt not. You might find some certain things, but you can in the vast majority, that's what I keep saying, in the vast majority of decisions that you have to make, you can turn to pastor scripture. So in this case, you can turn to pastor scripture that talk about the role of parents and the responsibility of parents to guide their children and the responsibility of children to submit to the authority of their, of their parents and, and that sort of thing. And so what I'm saying to you is in the vast majority of, of situations and times, you can, you can, you can look to God's word to find for the decisions that you need to make. So, for instance, the young man or the young lady that has professed to be a follower of Jesus and they want to begin to date a person and that person is not a follower of Jesus. This is what I'm saying to you. They don't need to pray about whether it's God's will for them to date that person or not. Not if God is the priority of their life. They don't need to pray and ask whether it's God's will. What they need to do is go to God's will and see, does God, um, to God's word and say, does God's word address uh, relate, relational issues between believers and non-believers? Can I find in God's word what uh, my, my relational, my dating relationships, what those should look like if I'm a follower of Jesus and someone else is not? And they can find that address. So I'm just saying to you, in the vast majority of situations... You can find it addressed in the Word of God. Now, what I will sometimes hear is, well, come on. Come on, Clay. Times have changed. Yes, yes. They, times have certainly changed. But God hasn't. God doesn't. Just to remind you of a couple of them. First Samuel chapter 15. Also, the glory of Israel. It's a, he's referring to God. Sam was using that as a reference towards God. Also, the glory of Israel will not lie or change his mind, for he's not a man that he should change his mind. Malachi, you perhaps read this from Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, for I, the Lord, do not change. So, so if God has this permanently established wisdom and direction and will for our lives, doesn't it make sense to know what he says in here for the situations and circumstances of our lives? The other one I hear, and I've heard it sometimes, is that, well, you just don't understand my situation. And, and I'm sure that's true. I, I, I'm sure I probably don't. But we can turn to multiple passages of Scripture that address God's knowledge of every situation and circumstance in your life. 
We can turn to multiple passages of Scripture that address God's compassion and caring and love for you for any and every situation of your life. So, no, I may not understand the situation that you're in, but I can assure you God does. There is God's permanently revealed will. And if you want to know God's will for your life and for your prayer life, because you want to pray according to his will, as John's directing us here, if you want to know the first place to start, the first place to start is the word of God. So uh, there is God's permanently revealed will. And then there is God's presently revealing will. There is God's presently revealing will. I said a moment ago that that virtually every decision that you need to make in your life, every event that you'd want to pray about, you can find uh, direct uh, or indirect uh, principles that we can look to in the Word of God that, that, can, that can guide us. But perhaps not every scenario. You, 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 might, you might still be puzzling or wondering about a certain situation and what you should do. Let, let's say, for instance... Let's say there's a, a man or, or woman uh, in this room or listening to this message that is not married but desires to be married. Let's say you know what God's Word says. You've been to God's Word and you understand what God's Word says about who you, the kind of person that you should marry, what that person should be like as far as their spiritual relationship with Him and that sort of thing. And let's just say, in the, in just in the course of life, that you meet two people that both kind of interest you. Maybe one you met at, at work or at school and, and the other you met at the gym or in some gathering with friends. But there's a couple of people that, that interest you that you, you kind of like hanging out and you do. You hang out with them, you spend time with them and, and, and let's just say you begin to develop feelings for both of those individuals and you rightfully begin to say, well, God, what should I do? God, which direction should I go? Which person uh, should, I, should I be with? Or neither one of these persons. God, what, what would you have me to do? Now listen, I know you may be sitting there thinking, well, pretty sure that's a scenario I'm never going to find myself in. <laughs> I'll, I'll just go for the first one to come. No, I'm not. No, I, I, you might be saying, I, well, I'm, I'm never going to find myself in that situation. Okay, but listen, what I'm saying is you could apply this, uh, this principle, you could apply it to any situation, any decision that you have to make that does not seemingly, you've done your, you've done your work, you've, you've been in it, that doesn't seemingly seem to be addressed directly in the Word of God. A, a job opportunity, a, a, a vocation change, a ministry uh, opportunity, a, relational, just you, you, could, you could think of almost any situation. What do I do? What do I do? To put it quite simply, ladies and gentlemen, you must seek God's face. You must seek God's face. And listen, nobody knows better than I do that in the, in the culture and the age in which we live, that is so hard to do because we have so many obligations and so many distractions, right? We've talked about that even, even recently. So many things that are, that, that are trying to keep us, and I really believe that, that that's the case, trying to keep us from this discipline of spending time in God's Word and time on our face before God, some significant 
face time with God. I know there are obligations and responsibilities and attractions and distractions and all this stuff that is trying to keep us from it, which is why it becomes even more important that we build the discipline into our lives to say, I must do this. If I want to know God's will for my life, I have to do this. I have to get on my face before God. Usually the next question is, well, well, how much time is enough time? How much time do I got to spend on my face before God? <laughs> Listen, I, if the priority of my life, the priority of your life is God and his will for your life, if you really want his will for your life, and we're going to get to that in just a minute, but if you really want God's will for your life, then the amount of time won't matter. The amount of time that it takes won't matter. And by the way, the very idea, not that any of y'all ever would, but the very idea that we would, that we would look for a shortcut or, or an easier way to do it or a more convenient way or faster way, because that's what we do, right? We're Americans. That's what we do. We're always looking for the quickest, fastest, best, simplest way to get something done. The very idea that we perhaps would be thinking that way when we're thinking about being in God's presence should be an indicator to us that we really don't even understand what this thing is actually all about. You see, listen to me. Listen, it's not really about the answers. It's not really about getting the answers. It's about getting God. It's about coming into his presence and discovering this God of infinite power and wisdom who desires to draw you in to, to this this time with him where you can, where you can experience what it, what it means to be in the very presence of God. And, and I know sometimes maybe that's more high and holy than other moments. And sometimes you may come out of your prayer closet saying, well, I, I don't even know what that, was, what that accomplished. But this idea that, that God, I, I, want, I want you. Yes, I, I need your answers. Yes, I need your will. But God, I, I need you. I, I want you. I want to draw into your presence. And when we forget that, when we forget that that is actually what this thing is all about, that's when God becomes nothing more than a spiritual search engine, a deistic Google uh, to give us the answer to the questions that we have. And, and God wants so much more for us, so much more with him, so much more to experience with him. Uh, there is God's uh, permanently revealed will, and, and we must discover it and get into it and find it. And there is God's presently revealing will to get alone with God, to get on our face, and to just say, God, I just want to be with you. Listen, I, can I say this to you? The answers will come. The answers will come. They will. God wants you to know his will, but he wants you to know him. He wants you to be with him and experience what that all can be in our lives. So there is his presently revealing will. And then I'm just, I'm just going to throw this out there. And I'll just go ahead and tell you, for some of you, you've, you've never thought about this before. But when you, when you go to God, when, you, when, you're, when you're seeking answers to his will in his word, and you're seeking answers on your face before him, and you're seeking his presence before you, before him, you might consider starting with this question. Father, do you have a preferential will for this situation in my life? God, do, do, you, do you have a will for me regarding this particular situation that I'm looking for in my life? Now, I know 
that may sound strange to you because we read passages of Scripture like Jeremiah 29, 11, see the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, to give you a future and a hope, to not, uh, calam- not to bring calamity upon you. We read wonderful verses like that that obviously are true, but if we are not careful, we can find ourselves caught up with this fatalistic approach to life that we talked about last week. Well, God's got a will for my life. I just have to discover what that will is. And, and, and now, before you burn me at the stake... To be sure, God has a will for your life. To be sure, God wants to, to use you to, to bless others. He wants to bless your life in, in dynamic ways. He wants to accomplish wonderful things uh, through you and through your life and through the contacts and influences that you have. For sure, God has, has purposes and plans for your life. But, to, to put it this way, is it possible that part of God's plan for your life is to see you mature in your walk with him so that you can come to the place in your spiritual life where you are able to make some decisions about your physical life. Is it possible that God is bringing you to the place where he wants you to make some decisions that are based on what he has taught you and what his will is for your life based that this, this idea of you know from his word. Is it possible that he's leaving open the opportunity for you to make some decisions in your physical life based on the maturity that has taken place in your spiritual life? So what I'm saying, what I'm proposing to you is that there is also, besides those other, there is also God's permissively responsible will for your life. And I'm not talking about this whole, you know, uh, that you hear sometimes people talk about permissive will and perfect will. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is, is the idea that God gives you permission to take responsibility for some of the decisions that you must make in your life. Now, lest you think I've lost my marbles because your whole life, you say, well, God, God, God's got a plan. God's got a plan. God's got a plan. Yes, and he does. I'm not saying he doesn't. But those of you who have children or those of us who have raised children, when those children are young, when they're growing up, you know what we want from them? I mean, besides love and all, you know what we want from them? We want obedience. We want obedience from them because we know that they are not at a place in their life where they're able to make decisions that are in their best interest. My granddaughter, Miss Ellie, thinks eating candy for a meal is a great idea. Your children might not see the danger in getting a ride home from school from a stranger. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, so whether they understand it or not, what you want is their obedience, right? Now, don't take this too far. We're, we're always God's children. We're always to be obedient to him. You understand that? But what we want to see as parents What we want to see is our children grow and mature based on, because we love them, we're teaching them, right? We're not just saying, because I said so, and that's how it's going to be the rest of your life. (laughs) We may have used that a time or two in the wrong situation. But for the most part, when we tell them, no, no, I don't want you to ride home with, with, XYZ, because I don't know XYZ and you don't know, you understand what I'm saying? We're going to try and teach them about danger and try and teach them about what, about things in life. And as they mature and as they grow, I'm telling you, nothing, nothing makes a parent prouder than to see their children begin to make decisions based on what the wisdom that they have gathered from their parents, what they have learned from their parents. And they begin to make decisions that they, that they do because they desire 
to honor their parents in that decision and because their parents have taught them that it is the very actually best thing for their life. That's all I'm saying to you is that in this, in this, in this spiritual uh, life that we have, this, this idea of maturing in Christ and growing up in Christ, this opportunity that we have to begin to make some decisions. Now listen, can I say this to you? We already do this to some degree without even thinking about it. For instance, I would strongly propose that the last time you ordered a hamburger, none of you asked God whether you should have cheese or not have cheese. You probably didn't pray about whether you should get the whole wheat bun or the white bun. So now listen, I I understand that those aren't spiritual decisions, but but do you understand what I'm saying? What I'm saying to you is that, that as his children, God is desiring to see us grow and mature in this relationship, walk with him, so that he can allow us to make some decisions that we make because we want to honor him and because we've learned from him that it's actually the very best thing for our lives and for the lives of others around him. You understand? Does that make sense? I'm just suggesting to you this, this possibility. So, so whether it's a, uh, a job decision that, that you've looked at biblically and, and what expectations would be and, and what I should do, and you've looked at the situation, you've prayed about the situation, you've been on your face before God, I mean, you've put in the time. You understand what I'm saying? You've put in the time. You've, you've looked at this word. You've tried to find these principles about this or, or that. And you've, you've, you've been in God's presence and you've enjoyed that presence. And then you come to this place where you still don't sense that God is giving you an answer to this particular situation. Can I, can I suggest this to you? Instead of, because this is what I hear, and I've experienced it myself, but instead of feeling stressed that God won't give you an answer, maybe you ought to feel blessed that God feels that you're at a place in your life where you can make some decisions that will honor him and are best for your life. I, I'm, just, I'm just throwing that out there. So if you're praying about what house you should buy, and this one's in the neighborhood that we really like, but this one's got a third bathroom. And that's the decision we, in our culture, right? Where that's how we are. We have those kind of decisions. I, I'm, just, I'm just saying to you that God is looking for you to grow in your relationship with him so that you're able to make some decisions that honor him. Doesn't subvert his plan, his purposes. He absolutely, it doesn't mean that you get to direct your own path. You don't. I think scripture is very clear that God's directing uh, your path and my path. But within that path is the desire for God to see us grow up in this thing. And seek to honor him with the decisions that we make. Okay, so it's, it's willingly seek his will for my life. If I'm going to get this to this verse 14 and 15. So here's another idea. Uh, we need to willingly seek to live his will. Okay, got to know his will. Yep, you got to live his will. I'm going to say this to you. There need not be any expectation on your life to hear from God about a particular situation. Oh, man, I'm just really praying about this. I'm really praying about this. You need not have any expectation to hear God speak on a particular situation in your life if there are areas of your life that you're already not living according to what he's already revealed his will to you to be. Does that make sense? You understand what I'm saying? Well, if, if God would show me his will, I'll do it. If God would, would, would show me where I'm supposed to take that job, I'll do it. If God tells me where I'm supposed to, to marry this person, I'll do it. If God tells me about this, I'll do it. If God will show me his will, I'll, I'll do it. 
Before you say that, God has already shown you that you are to share your faith. How are you doing at God's will? God has already shown you, if you're married men, that you are to love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. How are you doing at God's will? He's already shown you, ladies, if you're married, that you are to submit to your husband's authority. Place yourself under your husband's authority. How are you doing at God's will? He's already shown you that you, that you as a follower of Jesus, that you are to, to bring tithes and offerings to the house of God. How are you doing at God's will? He's already shown you, uh, God's will already shown you that it is his will for you to, to put him first, others second, and yourself third. How are you doing at God's will? I think we could go on, but I think you get the point. If you, I want to know God's will about any part of my life, I have to be willing to live his will in every part of my life. I know we're not all perfect. I know we don't all get it right all the time. I'm not trying to feel, make you or myself feel bad when I think, gosh, I, I didn't do this or I got that wrong. Or that. That's, that's, not the, that's, not what that's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is here is the desire of my heart and my life. If God reveals something to me in his word or while I'm in his presence and, he's, and he says, Clay, I, I, you haven't done this or I haven't seen you do this or where, where, where are you in this? Which he does because he loves us because he's our parent and that's what he wants to understand. And if I have not responded to that, I would say, yeah, yeah. I meet with a lot, a lot of guys sometimes in mentoring, and oftentimes I'll hear them say things like, man, no, not like when I say, hey, how you doing in God's word? How's your, how's your time in God's word? Well, it's, 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 not, it's not what it should be. Okay, I, I understand. But at, at what point, you understand what I'm saying? Does this begin to change? Because if I want God's will for X, Y, Z, I got to be doing God's will ABC. We have to be willing to come to the place as Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane and to be able to say, not my will, but your will be done. That's what it's about. Let me, let me show you this passage of scripture. Uh, most of it is familiar to you. Romans chapter 12, verse one and two from the New Living Translation. Listen to this. And so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living, holy sacrifice. Man, we've, we've heard that, read that a million times, right? The kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. It, it, it begins uh, not with the songs that we sing, but with the, the life that we surrender to him. That's how we truly worship him. Watch this. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Look at this. Then you will learn to know God's will for you which is good and pleasing and perfect. So what does he say? He says surrender is the, is the, is the starting point. Surrender is the, is the first place you must go if you want to learn my will for your life. I, people tell, I hear people, well, I, you know, I just don't hear God. I just don't hear God saying it. Now listen, I'm not saying God speaks audibly all the time. And maybe some of y'all heard him speak all. I've never heard God speak audibly, but I've been in his presence at times when I, when I knew he was speaking to me. And some people say, well, I, I don't, I'm just saying you need to evaluate your life and say, what are some other areas where I know what God's word says? I know what God's will is. I know what he's revealed to me. And I know I'm fighting it. I'm bucking it. I'm, I'm resisting it. I'm putting it off. I'm ignoring it. I'm something. I'm not dealing with it. So why, 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 why won't God speak to me over here? Why won't you just have to do it. You have to be willing to surrender your will to him if you want to know his will for your life. And then one more real quickly. 
um, we have to willingly seek to pray his will. You've got to know his will, you've got to live his will, and you have to pray his will. Assuming that we discover his will through his word, through FaceTime, or just as, as, as he's not giving us specific answers and we're learning that he's, he's uh, moving us toward a direction that, that we can make that's going to honor him with our lives, we have to willingly pray his will, which means that I, that I come to him. Now, listen to me. I come to him with no, no preconceived notion, no agendas, no, you know, if God will do this, I'll do that. No bargaining, no whatever. I come to him and I say, God, I want your will ultimately for my life. It's being willing to say, God, here's what I think, or here's what I want, or here's how I'm praying. But Father, I freely admit, you know it, but I freely admit to you that I am completely, utterly, totally finite, and you are infinite. So I submit my will to your will. Lord, that, that, that's part of what it means to pray God's will. Well, does that mean if I or a friend of mine has cancer, does that mean I, I can't pray that God would heal them? No, of course not. Because the word of God makes it clear that it is God's will that we pray for people with physical needs or spiritual needs or material needs. God's word makes it clear that we should pray for those people. But what it does mean, that while I'm praying for that cancer diagnosis or that financial problem or that uh, relational issue that's going on or that difficulty with this, it does mean that while I'm praying those things that I'm willing to say, God, not my will, but your will be done. God, you know so much more than me, and so I want your will to be accomplished. I don't want to go off making a decision on my own. I don't want to, uh, I don't want to do any of that. God, I, I just want you to move and accomplish your purposes in these prayers that I'm offering to you, to be willing to pray God's will. I'm going to be honest with you. I've had a lot of people through the years uh, in, in talking with them, different situations. I've had a lot of people say, well, I'm praying that, that God does da-da-da-da-da. I'm praying that God will da-da-da-da-da allow me to, that's fine, but am I willing to say, not my, not my will, but your will be done. Now, I need to close. I'm going to throw this question out there, and we don't have time to answer it now, but I just hopefully maybe tweak a little something in you, and maybe I'll answer it through Wednesday in the Word or something like that. But when you're looking for God's will and wanting to pray God's will, uh, this question sometimes might come to mind. Why does it seem that God does not answer some prayers that we absolutely know are in His will? If I'm praying something that I absolutely know is in his will because it's, it's revealed in his word, it's revealed uh, in my time with him. By the way, I don't know if I said this earlier, but however God speaks to you in that face time with him, it will never conflict with how, what he's already spoken in here. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? So to, to answer this question, it, and, I, and I think probably most of us can identify, man, this, I, I prayed for this. And I didn't see it happen. Or I'm praying for this. And, and I know that's God's will. Don't have time to deal with it uh, today. Maybe I'll do it Wednesday in the Word. If you want to subscribe, you can, you can do that. I don't know they have time to get to it next week because next week we're getting into praying for a person, for a believer that's not committed a sin unto death. Not praying for a person who has committed a sin unto death. I'm just going to tell you right now, we can't just, 
We can't just jump into that one and jump right back out of that one. It's going to take, take a little bit to talk about what in the world is John talking about there. But the point is, and I'll come back to it again, your prayers, my prayers, our prayers matter to God. He wants us to come into his presence. He wants us to draw near to him through his word, through our time with him in prayer, seeking his face, seeking his wisdom, living his will, and then praying his will over our lives, over the people's lives that we come into contact with, and over his kingdom and what he desires to do. Your prayers matter. And that in itself should be motivation enough to say, man, I got to pray. I got to pray. I got to pray. 2018, we're going to kick off with a series about prayer, and we'll be talking some more about that specifically and and how you can pray for Cross Culture Church in the new year. But your prayers matter. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Pray. It's exciting to think that we can be a part of God's kingdom work through prayer. As Pastor Clay explained in today's message, there may be some things about prayer that we don't fully understand, but knowing that God uses our prayers is truly an amazing thought. Prayer isn't an opportunity for us to do our wish list or to-do list for God. Prayer is the privilege of us being in God's presence and being led by His Spirit. And as Pastor Clay also explained today, prayer isn't really about getting the answers we want. It's about getting the God we need. We're glad you joined us for this week's message on Crosswalk. Pastor Clay is the author of the book, I Get It, Discovering How to Really Live in the Promises of God. My prayer is that God would use it to help some people understand a few things about what it really takes to live in the promises of God. God wants you to live a life of peace and purpose and meaning and hope and fulfillment and contentment. He wants you to live a life without fear and without anxiety. Many people at some point in their life feel disconnected with the type of life and faith they read about in the Bible and what their lives look like on a daily basis. What is it that we're missing? What is it that we're not getting. If I'm not really living in the promises of God, why is that? That's what this book explores. I Get It is available online in electronic versions for the Nook and Kindle, as well as paperback from Amazon.com. And ask for it by name at your favorite local bookstore. You can go in bookstores and just say, hey, uh, have you got a book in here uh, entitled I Get It from Clay Stevens? They can order this book out of their catalogs that they get. Get your copy today. Discover the promises of God and the steps you need to take to get it. And join us here each week online for another Crosswalk message. God has invited us to know Him through His Word, the Bible, a perfect record of God's revelation to man and applicable for every area of our lives. And if you're in the Raleigh area, we invite you to be a part of cross-culture worship. We meet at 1030 every Sunday morning at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. We're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. Our desire is to be used by God to show people that a life built on the finished work of Christ on the cross is where they will find what they're searching for. Learn more about us, who we are, what we're about, what we do, and what we believe. Visit us online at crossculture.church. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. So hungry and thirsty, come and be blessed. I want to lead you to the cross. Cross Culture Church, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross.